morning, everybody. Really glad that you're here today. And uh, it wasn't the rain, just awesome last night. I don't know if you got to hear that. And I was looking out this morning, and I was just really glad to see all of your cars with snow on it. Uh, those of you who had snow last night, and I know that it was quite a surprise to some. Uh, and uh, it's really odd, isn't it, to have a snow day on the first Sunday of November? Uh, just what are we in for, you know, as we go through this next winter together? I think it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, so I just want to uh, just, first of all, thanks for being here today. I know some of you came back today. Maybe you're here last week for the first time, or you heard about last week, and you're thinking, I want to see one of those flash mob dance things again, you know? <laughs> you're thinking about that, and you heard about it last week, and boy, it was all the buzz all over the internet. Uh, people were, you know, saying to their friends, oh, my church is so cool last week. We had a flash mob dance right in the middle of the service, and it was fun. A lot of fun as we got to do it together. And I was actually thinking about doing something for you today, you know, singing and dancing, but I want you to come back next week, so I don't think I will. Uh, but we're just glad that you're here and that you're with us today. It's going to be a lot of fun. This second week we're in this series. It was so fun last week to hear about God knowing everything about us. And I think this, this can be just as inspiring this Sunday as we're together. So if you would, grab these message notes out of your program. You can follow along. You can take notes. All the Bible verses I'll use will be here. Also, grab your Bible. Turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is where we're going to be today as we're going to talk about the fact that the real you is seen by God. And we look at him. And if you picked up one of our lobby Bibles, it's actually on page 477. You can find Psalm 139 there. If you don't have a Bible, and just make sure that if you would grab one as you leave, we'd love for you to have a Bible. If you do have one, you can use this while you're here. Just make sure to put it back uh, when you leave so someone else could use it next time. Now I want to read our theme verse. It's right at the top, Ephesians 2.10. And uh, it's talking about what uh, the real you is all about, about what God wants to do, about how he made us, and how he wants to help us to be everything that he made us to be. And so if you would, if you would read it out loud with me, that'd be awesome. Ready to go. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That's the idea here that we're looking at. And the main idea of the series, I put in the next line there for you, the main idea of the series is this. You will know the real you as you know the real God. It's impossible to know you, the real you, the one that God made you to be, until you really know who he is. When you know the real God, you can know the real you. And so Psalm 139 is just packed full of ideas and thoughts and attributes and teaching all about God. In context, it talks about how these teachings about God can help you know you and how God wants to work in your life, in your heart. And we're looking at that in this series. I want to kind of introduce today's topic with this quote. I am never out of God's mind. There is no moment when his eye is off of me or his attention distracted from me. No moment when his care falters, there is tremendous relief in knowing that no discovery can disillusion him about me in the way that I am often disillusioned about myself. God knows us. You are seen by him. Last week, as we talked about the fact that God knows us, I never use this word, but some of you may have you know, already filled in the blank with the word in your mind. Some of you, this will be a new word for you. We were talking about God's omniscience last week, about the fact that God knows everything. And today, I'll just give you the word right now. We're going to be talking about God's omnipresence today, is that God is everywhere. He's everywhere. 
Now, this is a difficult concept to understand, okay? Just the, the fact that God is everywhere, all places at all time, especially when you're younger, I think it would be a difficult time, thing to understand. And I was reading this week about a pastor, and he was talking about when he was a kid, his parents came to him and said, you know, hey, we're going to move to Montana. And so as he was praying his prayers that night, this is, he said, this is what he prayed. He said, God, it's been so good to get to know you and be near you, but tomorrow we're moving to Montana. <laughs> And I'm going to miss you. <laughs> it's a kind of hard concept to get this whole idea that God is everywhere. God's omnipresence means that he's fully there. Now, there's a lot of hype, a lot of press last week about the fact that we're now 7 billion people on the face of the planet. And to think about God could be everywhere with every person at the same time is kind of mind-boggling. And what you need to know today is that he will distinguish you out and he's with you. He's, every, he's always with you. 100% of God is always with you. Okay, let's read these verses from Psalm 139 and we'll jump in to our time together. I included verse 5a on your notes, and so I'll start with that, and then we'll jump over to verse 7. He says, you can now go before me and follow me. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. So here's the fact I want you to write down about God's omnipresence as we jump in today. Here it is. God is fully present everywhere. God is fully present everywhere. 5a said, you go before me and follow me. Remember Hebrew poetry we talked about last week. Would always give, Hebrew poetry many times will use extremes, this extreme and that extreme, to say this is all that I'm talking about and everything in between. The extremes and everything in between. So he's talking about the fact that God is everywhere. He's everywhere at the same time. I love that quote from St. Augustine, one of those old-timey you know, theologians who wrote just deep thoughts philosophy, as he was... Um, talking to us about God, he says this, God is not partly here or partly there. Not partly here or partly there. But he is totally present at every point in the universe. Now, once again, this is kind of mind-boggling. And so as people try to think about God, they kind of, you know, picture the fact that if God's everywhere, he must be big. He must be huge. And so you see depictions of God, and he's this huge God, you know, and he's this big because he has to be big if he's going to be everywhere. He's immense in some way. But that's not what this is talking about, the fact that he's everywhere. So I want to show you. And so um, I had a friend one time who showed me this um, kind of illustration about the fact that how to understand God's omnipresence. So let's just get my handy-dandy objects out here. I got a globe. And this globe, you know, represents us, that we live on the globe. And so this is us, and this would be you. And so uh, us in the world. And this sheet, this is God. Okay, this sheet represents God. And so if we think about the fact that if God must be big to be everywhere, he's immense. So the idea is this, because he's so big, he can circle everything, and he can cover everything. And so what we have is God circling the world. So you've got a piece of God over here in Russia. You've got a piece of God down here in Afghanistan. 
Last night, there was a 5.2 earthquake in Oklahoma. There's a piece of God over there in Oklahoma. That's where I'm from. You know what? It's, it's awesome. I can tease all my relatives right now. They're saying, well, at least we only live in a place where there's tornadoes. We don't live where there's earthquakes. <laughs> so they've got them both now right there in Oklahoma. Okay. <laughs> Teach them to talk about California. Okay, so here we go. So there's a piece of God everywhere. He's so big. But that's not what God's omnipresence is about. So what I would love to be able to do, if I could, is I would get this sheet and I would fold it up because the sheet represents God. And if I could, I'd fold it up in its smallest possible size. And then I would say, here's the world. And if this was being as small as possible size, it would say this. It would say, all of God is here. All of God is here. All of God is with your daughter in Reno right now. All of God is with your nephew in Afghanistan. All of God is right here with you today. So if we can understand that, all of God is with you all of the time. 100% of him is with you in every way. So that's how we can understand God's omnipresence. And that's what we're going to talk about in this message today is how that then can encourage me and give me strength. Because you need to know you have all of God with you wherever you go. You have all of God with you wherever you go. I love how John Ortberg puts it. He says this, God is closer than you think. He's got a book. It's that same title, God is Closer Than You Think. It's one of our pastor's picks in the bookstore. And that sentence is one of those statements that is always true. God is closer than you think. No matter how close you think God is, he's closer. No matter how close you think he is, he's closer to you. The central promise of the Bible is not, I will forgive you. But the central, it's one of the promises, but the central promise of the Bible is I will never leave you. I will always be with you. You can count on me always being there. So what I want to do, so what, right? How does that help us to know that God's everywhere? Well, that's what I want to talk about. And that's what the psalmist talks about here, that we can help us to understand that. Three ideas from these psalms, these verses that we're going to look at, the way God's presence can impact your life. The first one is this. Talking about three times of life and how God comes into those. First, God sees my running times and confronts me. God sees my running times and confronts me. He sees those times when I'm running from him and he lovingly comes to me and confronts me. Because he wants me to draw, he wants to draw me to himself. Okay, verses seven and eight. The psalmist is writing, and you know, you've got to understand, it's, it's really, you know, a little bit hard to kind of grasp the whole thing, but really the psalmist is saying here, uh, not, he's not really saying, you know, hey, I can never escape from your presence, that's a good thing. He's actually saying, you know, there's times I want to escape your presence, God. He's being honest. He's saying there are times I'm, I've run from you, times I've tried to move away from you. So he says this, I can never escape your spirit. <laughs> I can never get away from your presence. Now that word presence, Understand, that's the word, the Hebrew word is face. So when he's saying there, I can never escape your face. Therefore, what I want you to know, God's face is always turned towards you. That's why I call this message, you are seen, because God's eyes are always towards you. There's never a time when you are out of God's sight, he's always looking at you. And so you can know that, and that makes some of us comfortable, and that makes some of us uncomfortable to think about that thought. So it's always your presence. And he says this, if I go up to heaven, and when he's talking about heaven there, he's talking about the stars, the, the realms of the, of the atmosphere, not talking about the throne room of God, talking about the 
stars of the atmosphere, talking about the extreme that you can go to. If I go up to heaven, you're there. And then he says this, if I go down to the grave, and this means like the, the grave, and so it means like the center of the earth, the center of death. Sometimes it's translated as Sheol. If I go to the stars as high as I can get, if I go to the grave as low as I can get, you are there. And what he's saying is, I can never get away from your presence, even though he's saying he wants to. He wants to. He wants to run from God. He wants to, he wants to have flight from God. He wants to, it's really t- uh, saying, I want to have out and out rebellion. Now, when he says, I want to get up in your presence, it's the same phrase that's used in the book of Jonah. In the book of Jonah, it talks about the fact that God, that Jonah was called by God to go to Nineveh. And instead of going to Nineveh, that he ran from God's presence, he ran from God's face, and he believed that he could run away. So what David's saying to us, he says, no matter how high you are, or no matter how low you go, you can never be so far away that you're out of God's presence. God sees you wherever you go. Now, let's think about that. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd you'd be willing to raise your hands on this question. How many of you have ever tried to run away from God? Um, How'd that work for you? (laughs) Uh, Not really good, right? Not really good. We think we can run from God. We've tried to run from God, and it's not possible. It's not possible. We can never run away from God's presence. God is always next to you. He is always looking at, he's always, his face is always toward you. Now, knowing that can give you encouragement or it can make you a little, feel a little you know, uneasy today. But you know, you know how it is when you're trying to you know, do something and it seems like you can do a better job when someone's watching you, right? Someone's watching you and as they're watching you, they're holding you accountable in some way. It's how much easier to control yourself when you're being watched, Right? Both of my children, both of my kids have this thing going on with me right now. And here it is. They think I'm fat, okay? They tell me all the time, Dad, you're fat and you're just going to, you know, you're just going to blow up because you're eating too much and this kind of thing. So both of my kids, they've taken on their responsibility is to be food patrol detectives, Okay, and so they're watching everything I eat, and they're looking for me to get into that cookie jar and all those other things so they can go report to mom and tell her that I'm not, not being a good guy and I'm going to be fat in some way. I just think it's ridiculous, but whatever. But you know what? It's amazing how much that changes my eating patterns. <laughs> Knowing my kids are watching me and that they're there changes my eating patterns and changes my habits in some way. Well, this is kind of what it is with God. He's watching you. So that could change your habits, okay? It could change the things that you're thinking are okay because he's watching. Now, does not mean you should be afraid of God? No, it doesn't mean that you're going to be afraid from God, uh, be afraid of him. It's actually an opportunity to be drawn to him be drawn to him. See, Jonah, Jonah thought he could run away from God. So, you know, God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, and so Jonah instead runs, thinks he's running away from God. Now, here's the deal about Jonah. Every step he took away from God, he ran into God. Every step he took away, he ran in. Everyone. And so he goes away, he goes in a boat, there's God. You know what? There's a storm, there's God. He gets thrown in the ocean, there's God. He gets swallowed by fish, there's God. He gets spit out on the, on the banks, there's God. He goes to Nineveh finally, there's God. He finds the God there. He does what he's going to do for God there. He, and then he's unhappy with God again. He's going to go out and sulk on the side of a hill. There's God. Everywhere that Jonah went, God was. Everywhere that he went, he was. See, you can run all you want, but everywhere you go, you're going to run into God. 
He's going to be there in front of you, waiting on you every time you try to run away from him. Jeremiah 23. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth? And you just got to know what God is saying here is he's an eyewitness to your life. He's an eyewitness to your life. So there's not a door you can get behind that he can't see. There's not a compartment you can have that he can't know what's there. He knows. He knows and he understands. And some of you today, you come in here today and you said, you know what, I did run from God at one point, and you know how, what that did in your life. Others of you are coming here today, and you're coming to church to hear from God, but there's still areas where you're running from Him. Some of you have compartments that you believe that God can't see into. Because I can't see into, or your neighbor can't see into, you actually believe God can't see into. And so you're harboring potentially destructive patterns destructive to you, destructive relationally, destructive to your relationship with God because you believe he doesn't see and he doesn't know. And what he wants you to know is he wants you to understand this. I see you. I'm there. You can never move apart from me. You can never be in a place where I can't see. And he lovingly is in front of you all the time. Every step you take away, he's already there. And he's calling you today to say, okay, God, I'm going to give this up. I'm going to open this door. I'm going to knock down the walls of this compartment. And I'm going to let you, I'm going to see myself for who I really am in this situation. And that's the strength. He lovingly confronts you because he wants to draw you back to himself. Okay, the second idea is this. The second time of life that the psalmist talks about is our lonely times. And here it is. God sees our lonely times, and he comforts me. He sees my lonely times, and he comforts me. Now, in understanding lonely times, what David does is he talks about, you know, places that are away from home. And usually when we're away from home is when we can be the most lonely, right? So he talks about places that are away from home. So he talks about this in in verse 9 and 10. He says this, If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. So he's saying, I'm going to find you there in these two places. One is the wings of the morning. And so kind of reference here, and I wish we had sunshine. I could actually maybe say, look outside and see the sun today. But kind of like the, the wings of the morning, the sun's coming up. The rays shoot out, and so at the east, he's drawing, he's drawing the reader's attention, our attention to the east. He says, so here you are, you're now at the center of your world, as far over here to the east, away from your world, away from your comfort, away from those places where you're known, look to that. And then he says this, he says, as far as the farthest ocean, and David was writing, and he was writing in Palestine, and so he could see across the Mediterranean, and that was the end of the world, kind of at their state, kind of the end of the world. So you can see across the Mediterranean, so that's to the west. So you've got the east and to the west, and he's saying, here's the deal. You're leaving your place of comfort. You're leaving the place where you're known. You're leaving the place that's home, and you're going to those places, and they're lonely. And what you're going to find is in a lonely place, God is. 100% of God is with you in your lonely place, your lonely spot. Because God is everywhere, we are never alone. Now, it's interesting that with all of our ways that we have today to connect and to be connected, don't you just love that phrase, connect and be connected? 
that people have never been lonelier. With all our tools, with all our devices, with all the ways that we have to connect and be connected, that people have never been lonelier. You would think that with all this connectivity that we have in our world today, that the opposite would be true. Well, research shows the opposite. Carnegie, the Carnegie Institute, out of their research, this is their statement. The more time people spend online, the lonelier they perceive themselves to be. I'm online, I'm connected to my world, I'm connected to all these people. And we talked about last night, it's a great way to know and be known, but it's not a great way to have relationship. And if I'm trying to have my relationship through my connecting online, what I'm discovering, what they discovered is I'm actually lonelier and I'm perceiving myself of being lonelier in life. So despite the popularity of our social networks, the feelings of loneliness in our culture actually increasing today. Actually increasing. Now, this is serious because it's not just about feelings, it's also about health. Another study showed that when people were lonely, they were twice as likely to die early. That when people talked about having feelings of loneliness, they were twice as likely to die early than those who said they weren't lonely. And so this is a big deal that we understand this issue of loneliness. Dr. James Lynch puts it this way, he says this, Loneliness is a lethal poison. We are simply not designed to exist in a sea of loneliness. And if God is our master maker, he made us as a masterpiece, then he knows that about us. And so he offers us opportunity, an opportunity that will never change by circumstance or situation to be with us so that we could have our loneliness resolved and absolved as we're with him in a relationship, we are all longing to be with him. We're all longing to be with him. And I just believe this. I believe that we are all longing to have connection with the one who made us, the one who said he would never leave us or forsake us. Now, I know that in a crowd like this, and I've had lots of conversations already this morning because of just even thinking about this, that in a crowd like this, that there's, there are lonely people here. Uh, you can come into a crowd like this and be full of people and you can greet and you can touch and you can laugh and you can still be lonely, still have strong feelings of loneliness in your life. You can be a cr- in a crowd and still be alone. There's all kinds of loneliness, folks, that people can have. There's the loneliness of a death of a spouse or a child, a friend, a sibling. There's the loneliness of uh, work, is that some people can be so... Uh, you know, just look at the reality and feel like they have to work more because in order to produce more so that they can make it. And so there's that loneliness of I've got to make it myself and I've got to do this for my family. Or maybe it's the loneliness of what your work causes you to do. Or maybe you're, you know, have to travel and you're away from home and there's the loneliness when you're away from home. And there's the loneliness of the people who are still back at home when you're not there. So there's all kinds of loneliness about work. There's the loneliness of feeling misunderstood. Um, there's the loneliness of relational fractures that happen. There's the loneliness that can happen with a new location, a new town, a new school, a new job, all kinds of things there. And there's the loneliness of being unemployed, the loneliness of you know, my financial circumstances and situations. There's all kinds of circumstances that can cause us to feel lonely. But here's what I want to share with you, and I don't mean to be harsh here at all. We have to remember that loneliness is just 
of feeling and that feelings don't necessarily define reality. Just because I feel lonely doesn't mean my loneliness is my reality. So instead of trusting our feelings, instead of trusting the things that we're feeling, what the psalmist calls us to do, what we're looking at in this series, is calls us to place our trust in God and what he says. And here's what he says, you are never alone. You are never alone. We can change our feelings by choosing to focus on a different reality than we're feeling at that moment. In lonely times, God is there to bring us comfort. He's our companion. I reference this verse, but Hebrews 13 says, God says to you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is there in lonely times to comfort us when we trust him to be there. Third idea that the psalmist talks about is this. And this is what the song, uh, the song that uh, Dave Baker sang to us today, awesome song, uh, was talking about. Is that in the dark times, in those dark times, and we all face dark times, God calms me. In the dark times, he calms me. David writes, if I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, even in the darkness... I cannot hide from you. So even in my darkest times, God is still there. Now in the Psalms, darkness or that word darkness or that concept of darkness, it's referring to times of suffering, times of pain. Uh, It's referring to times of death or possible death or potential death. It's referring to danger. Uh, It's referring to illness Uh, all kinds of seasons that you and I would walk through that we would say, this is a dark time. And some of you are going through a dark time even right now. I got to pray with a lady after second service who um, is waiting next week for her latest results from her latest cancer test. And uh, nothing's looking good. It's the reason she got the test again. Two weeks ago, actually four weeks ago, Her sister died. Her second sister died. And so she's going through a really dark time. And I don't know what yours is, but I understand that dark times come very frequently in our world. Because as Jesus says, he says, in this world, you will have problems. And this world can be full of dark times. Some of you may be in a place where you're coming in today and you're saying, you know what? I came to church today because I'm ready to call it quits. I'm ready to give it up. You've had it. The times of your life feel so dark that you feel like you can't go another step. And I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know exactly what it may be, but what I want you to know is that as lonely as you feel and as dark as you sense the situation and in your mind as hopeless as it is, you need to know that God comes to you tonight, today and he says, I am with you. You are not alone. Even in those darkest moments, When you think it can't get any worse, he's there with you, and he wants to give you his perspective on your circumstances and situation. He wants to calm your heart. He wants to calm your heart. But once again, what you have to do is you have to take your focus off of your darkness, and you have to put your focus on God. You have to put your focus on the one who's with you in the middle of your darkness, that you're not alone, even in that darkest place. He is with you in that darkest spot. And then by faith, you acknowledge that he's going to carry you through this moment. 
I, I just believe that's what Psalm 16 is doing. I just believe Psalm 16 says, I'm not going to focus on my darkness right now. I'm not going to focus on my darkest spot. But instead, I'm going to take my focus off of myself, and I'm going to put my focus on God and what he can do. Pastor John read it to us earlier. It says this, I know the Lord is always with me. I know he's there. He says, I know he's there. I will not be shaken, for he's right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice that he's with me, that he's right there with me. Once again, even in those dark spots, those feelings of being overwhelmed, that worry that can kind of seem to want to take us over, I can change those feelings by changing my focus. Taking my focus off of the circumstances and put my focus onto God, I can change my feelings by changing my focus. And you can handle any. And I've seen people handle some very difficult times. You can handle any dark time when you know and you trust that God is there with you. Psalm 23. This is someone who's really chosen to change his focus. When David writes, he says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid because you are close beside me. Now that confidence comes from knowing that God is with him and he's proven that God is faithful and that God is with him 100% of the time in every place he goes. And that's the courage we can gain and how it can calm our circumstances even when we're going through the dark times. Now, how do I get better at practicing God's presence? Well, that's the last thing I want to leave us with today. I want to learn about how do I learn to live in the reality of God's presence in my life? I'm going to give you two ideas and, uh, to kind of help us today, to kind of give us some thoughts, some actions that we can take today. And the first one is this, knowing that God is everywhere, I need to affirm the reality of his presence. I just need to affirm the reality of his presence, that he is there. That's what Jacob got to do one morning after he had a wrestling match with God. And he didn't know God was around him. But here's what he says. He says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But oftentimes we're going to get to circumstances in life and we're, not going to want, we're going to wonder where God is. We're not going to know if he's even there. We're going to feel like he's not there. And then we'll wake up and be all, ah, oh, he's there. He's there with me. He's been here all along and he's right there beside me. I want to show you a video. And I just got to watch this this week and I thought it just worked so great at this place to help us to understand this whole idea of affirming God's presence because God has always been there. And this video is of a 29-year-old woman and it, we're going to watch the moment when she had a hearing implant put in and after being born deaf, she's able to hear for the first time. Now, here's, this, is, this is the post she put that went with her video. Here's the post. I was born deaf and eight weeks ago, I received a hearing implant. This is the video of them turning it on and me hearing myself for the first time. Let's watch this. <laughs> it's like so close. There you go. So now technically your device is on. Can you tell? Oh, that's exciting! 
put it down for a second. Just get used to the sound. What does it sound like? Can you hear me? Can you hear your voice? Does your voice sound pretty loud? Um, no, not really. Well, that's good. <laughs> My laughter sounds loud. Yeah, you'll get used to all of that over time. <laughs> Do you want to hear your husband say something? <laughs> wow, that's just so powerful. Here's why I wanted to show it to you. Is this. Is that she was able to hear for the first time because of an implant. It was put inside her head so that she could hear the sound waves that had always been there. The voices had always been there. The sounds had always been there. She was unable to hear them until she was able to tune into them with her device. And what I want to suggest to you is that sometimes I think we're not hearing from God because we're not tuned in to his voice. And in order to consistently hear from him, what I believe that you and I must do is that we must affirm that he's everywhere and that he's speaking to me and listen to what he has to say. So that's the first idea. The second idea is this, is I need to practice his presence. I need to practice his presence. I need to practice the reality of his presence. In other words, I need to realize that my life if God is everywhere, is a walk with God. And I need to practice the reality of his presence everywhere I go. Psalm 116 says this, And so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. I'm just going to give you some ideas that may help. You want to write these down? So you have some space there maybe to write down some ideas about how you would practice the presence of God. The first idea is this, is that you would invite Jesus Christ into your life. That's the first idea. Invite Jesus Christ into your life. The Bible says that, uh, we are separated from God by uh, our sin. We're alienated from him and that he gave Jesus Christ so that we could be in relationship with him. And when I say yes to Jesus Christ for what he did on the cross, the Bible says that I'm brought into relationship with him. The better, <laughs> the, the coolest thing about that, going with that picture there, is it also says that God now gives me the Holy Spirit. It's like a new device. And so now I can hear what I couldn't hear before as I have the Holy Spirit in me. As I've said yes to Jesus Christ, I can hear from him. So that's the first step. You need to say yes to Jesus Christ. The second one would be this. Practice being quiet. Practice being quiet. And I'm going to add externally. In other words, I need to have some quiet externally and internally. I need to take care of this, the, the, the noise around me, but I also need to diminish the racket inside. It goes on. It's in my worry and my world and my thoughts so that in as I diminish the racket, I can hear from him. Number three, when you do talk, talk to God. Just practice talking to him. Yesterday morning, our men had our breakfast, and so I was driving here, and um, I was just feeling pretty punky yesterday morning. I'm doing this kind of treatment plan, and, and uh, two weeks down, 22 to go, and I was driving here, 
And uh, I was just like, I didn't want to go. I wasn't feeling well, and I wasn't sure. And I was thinking about my talk as I'm driving along all by myself and driving along. And, you know, I just had this idea. And I believe it was fully from God, this idea. But I'm, I'm driving along, and I just turned beside me. Don't recommend this. I turned beside me, okay? I'm driving. And I looked in the seat beside me, and I just said, Hi, Jesus. And uh, it was just an emotional I was a wreck. I didn't have a wreck. I was a wreck. Because just as the same thing that woman felt when she could hear for the first time, it was like Jesus said, Hi, Ron. I'm right here with you, and I'm going to be with you all day today. And you can count on that. It's simply because I chose to turn to him and acknowledge and talk to him. And I want to challenge you to practice that in your own world. Another one would be to develop the habit of gratitude. Develop the habit of gratitude. Make a gratitude list, because here's what gratitude is. Gratitude is me being thankful for what I see God doing. So I see he's around me, so I'm going to make a gratitude list so that I can notice God's sightings, the sightings I have that God is with me and around me. And then number five, I need to practice this phrase. I'm going to give you a phrase. I'm going to ask you to practice it all week long and come back next week and let me know how it impacted your life. And here's the phrase. Practice this phrase. The Lord is in this place. You can say it verbally out loud when you're alone, okay? You can write it on, put it on your computer monitor this week as you're looking at it, your screen, and maybe put it in your car somewhere, and you just say continually all week long, you want to practice His presence by saying, the Lord is in this place. In fact, let's practice it together right now, okay? The Lord is in this place. Let's do it again. The Lord is in this place. He's in this place. He's wherever you go. Wherever you go. And so we practice saying, the Lord is in this place, and we'll get to experience Him. If you bow your heads, I want to lead us in a prayer. Oh, well, Father, I just I want to come before you now in just all humility and thank you that the God of the universe is so close and that you want a personal connection relationship with every one of the seven billion of your creations on this earth. That's each one of us. And so, Father, I, I know that there are folks right now that uh, are running from you. Maybe they've got an, a compartment that they feel like that they're holding you out of and you don't see what's going on behind closed doors. Maybe it's just an entire lifestyle where they just are running from you and just flippantly snubbing you. And that right now you're lovingly confronting that attitude. Saying you can never run from me, you said. That everywhere we run, that you're there. And so we're only deceiving ourselves when we believe we can run from you, that we can hide, that we can do these activities that we can live this lifestyle in a way that we think that we can get by with it just because we can't feel you next to us. So today, we'd want to turn away from that. We'd want to open those doors. We'd want to take down those walls, break the, down the barriers of those compartments, and we just want to acknowledge that you've always been there. And we want to ask you to, by your strength, by your grace, to help us change. And Lord, I know that there are those that have uh, tremendous feelings of loneliness. And Lord, 
Loneliness can be debilitating. It can rank right with depression, with uh, how folks function or don't function. And Lord, help us to help those who are feeling lonely today to embrace the fact that you are there. To change the feeling by focusing on your presence. Lord, I just, I, I just had an idea that there's some, somebody in this room knows of someone who's feeling lonely, that they can be your hands and feet and touch them, even today before they leave, to say, God's with you. And then, Lord, for those of us who are in those dark places, and our worries are high, and our anxiety is racing, our emotions are just uh, raveled, God, I just ask you today to show us that you're there. That you would calm that spirit and that we would walk out of here today at peace in the middle of circumstances that are dark because you're there. You're there. And I just thank you in advance for how you're going to use this today as we practice your presence in this coming week and in the rest of our lives, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.